On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about our salvation and ask if it's something that we can, well, take for granted. And once you have it, you're never going to lose it. We're going to talk about that because there's a lot of people in the religious world who have the opinion that, well, once saved, you're always saved. And and uh, we do not believe that the Scriptures teach that, and therefore we want to... Uh, uh, investigate what the scriptures say on that subject. All right, we're going to talk about that on the virtual Bible study, and we're going to get started right after this. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome to the virtual bible study for thursday july 20th 2017 my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you good to be with you tonight josh is behind the controls josh we'll look forward to hearing from you tonight but most importantly make sure that uh, well we'll have to sound good we're not going to look good but make us sound good if you can't do my best all right and uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you on the other end of the line, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And if you're uh, watching us uh, on uh, our live feed tonight, uh, you can sign in the chat room, wherever you may be watching, Facebook, YouTube, and our website, The Virtual Bibles. You can par- participate with other listeners tonight and share your comments for inclusion on the program as we look forward to hearing from you. Before we get started on our program tonight, though, we've got a special guest with us. Jacob, we've got a special guest. Art Adams is with us on the phone line from South Bend, Indiana. Art, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Art, you've been with us before. Uh, we, we interviewed you a, a year or so ago. Uh, but this time we're interviewing you due to the fact that you will be joining us live and in person next Monday and Tuesday night here in Columbia, Tennessee, Lord willing. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to the opportunity, Greg. We've got what we call our annual community Bible study planned here for next Monday and Tuesday night, the 24th and 25th, and uh, try to talk about a topic that we think is of special interest, uh, very important. And this year, I, I, I think we've got a very crucial thing to discuss. We're going to be talking about the plague of pornography. Uh, again, that's next Monday and Tuesday night here in Columbia, Tennessee at the Memorial Building. We go to a... a, a a municipal auditorium near our downtown, just about two blocks west of the main square in Columbia. So any of you who are in our area, by all means, plan to attend. It's easy to find the memorial building. And it's free of charge. That's one question we got earlier this week. There's no charge for uh, to attend? Exactly right. All right. And, uh, Art, you're going to be talking to us about what, what we have identified as the plague of pornography. And you talk about it being a plague. Art, uh, tell us about the extent of the plague. Well, when I first started talking about this, I talked about an epidemic. That's not the right word. It's a pandemic, which means it's worldwide. Uh, as the World Wide Web has uh, captured the attention of, uh, of so many people uh, with cell phones, with uh, Internet, with all the various uh, social media, uh, pornography has become a major issue. 
As a matter of fact, a, the Barna study, which was conducted uh, uh, with a number of people, it's a religious study, uh, they did this who are churched, if you would, people who go to, go to church somewhere, and what they found out is, from self-report, 63% of the men who attend church uh, regularly or semi-regular view porn regularly. Uh, 38% of the women who attend church are involved in pornography. So this just is not a problem out in the world. It is a problem, unfortunately, uh, with those that claim a relationship with God. Those statistics clearly point out to us what a huge problem it is. But uh, I, I think probably a lot of our listeners would say, listen now, buddy, we're a lot more conservative than that. And it might uh-huh. that, that might describe the religious world in general, but we're pretty conservative people here, and I, I, I just don't think we're bothered by this problem. How would you how would you address well, that 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 comeback? Well, what I would what I would say is uh, we just need to talk with our families uh, more to perhaps be a little a little uh, and hopefully it's not in the families that we're talking with. I would just be so happy. Uh, but uh, I also, in addition to being a gospel preacher, uh, do clinical counseling, and I have found those numbers to be fairly fairly accurate. Wow. Um, and so you and you um, and are counseling some of these what we would identify as relatively conservative Christians. You're counseling in that sort of in that environment. That's the circle of people that you probably have your greatest contact with. But you're still seeing a huge problem even among. And that's what I was trying to draw out. Even among reportedly conservative Christians, this is still a huge problem. Absolutely, and and it's so easy to get to, Greg. Um, you know, a click of a mouse will take you to a site you shouldn't be at. Um, back in the day, uh, when some of us were a little younger, uh, we were concerned about uh, the uh, convenience stores and the magazines that were there. But now we're seeing young people as early as the third grade that are visiting the porn sites regularly. Mm. Uh, by the time parents even get to talk with them about the facts of life, if they have that talk, then our young people, many of them, are well on their way into the world of pornography. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's scary. It really, really is scary. And so we're saying that uh, it is a problem. Anybody who thinks it's not needs to get their eyes opened. And we hope, uh, that if nothing else happens, that our community Bible study next week will do that. But you're, you're going to define the problem, and you're going to talk about it from a biblical point of view and give some insights in dealing with this. Yep. And I hope that uh, parents especially, I mean, we all need it, obviously. We're all under threat. But especially parents, uh, parents of ch- of children, adolescent children, man, you've got to you've got to be eyes wide open, head eyes in the back of your head, twenty four seven kind of uh, vigilance. Absolutely, and as these as young people come of age and enter into marriage, they carry the baggage of basically having awakened the sexuality before its time. They carry that baggage into their marriage. And unfortunately, the fantasy is usually preferred over the reality of the, uh, of the conjugal uh, relationship. And so we have not really even begun to bear the fruit of this plague. Uh, 
Absolutely we have not. Now, I understand this is a community Bible study that we uh, service here, or or, uh, uh, presentation here. If we could take this to the Bible, one of the passages is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, which says, this is uh, chapter 4, verse 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication, that each one of you knows how to possess himself of his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God. Um, And he talks then about God being an avenger in these things. That passage actually is a fairly plain passage that says our bodies are for the Lord, and we are not to act like the heathen. Um, The passage very clearly says this is tied to our sanctification that we remain in a uh, in a state where we don't tease our sexual appetites. We don't uh, go anywhere near anything that looks like fornication. Good, good. Right. So, uh, Art, uh, quickly give us an overview of some of the uh, topics and um, and things you'll be talking about in the two nights that we have coming up next week. Okay, we'll be talking uh, Monday night about. Uh, about uh, some of the things we just talked about. I'll have a lot more detail, but we'll be talking about the pandemic issues of pornography. Uh, we will talk about uh, the damage that is done in to the individual, to the marriage, and also to church circles uh, when we have this kind of thing going on. We will talk from a scriptural perspective about how Satan builds these strongholds in our life. And uh, more importantly, we'll talk about how to address those strongholds to where we can tear them down. Uh, that would be a passage in Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, that we'll talk extensively about. But um, we're not going to be able to serve God and yet have an idol of pornography going on. All right. uh, that's, the, the two are not compatible. Very good. And that's, now, that's more Monday so, night. Yeah. Yeah, that's Monday night. Uh, we will also be talking about uh, some things that we can do about it. So it's one thing to identify a problem and how bad it is. It's another thing to say, what do we do to fix it? So we're going to kind of try to address all of that on the topic of pornography on Monday night. Now, Tuesday night, we're going to be talking about the issue of betrayal. This is a uh, a spouse, uh, in a, uh, a spouse in marriage that... Um, finds out that their mate is viewing porn or is maintaining some kind of an online relationship or is using their phone to sext people uh, and just the horror of finding that out and what the Bible says about it, uh, how we need to conduct ourselves when we find someone caught in this sin, uh, someone we love, and then we'll also talk about uh, some helps that are there to where we don't have to suffer alone, but God has provided many opportunities for us uh, to bring this secret out in the open. Uh, what starts in secret uh, needs to be addressed, um, needs to be addressed. Uh, we are only as sick as the secrets we keep. All right. All right. Well, that sounds very interesting, yeah. Art. Uh, 
Uh, we've had, uh, and I haven't even told you about this yet, Art, but we, we've had a few uh, parents who are worried that maybe some of this will be pretty explicit conversation for really young children. Uh, and so to, to sort of alleviate any fears along that line, a few of our ladies have planned uh, a Bible study, uh, a Bible class in a separate room for kids 10 years old and younger. And so if any of our listeners are worried, boy, I'd like to come, but I don't, I don't know if I want my kids to hear all of that. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make available. We got about four of our ladies here who are planning two nights of Bible study, Bible class in a separate room there in the same building. Uh, so that the parents can listen and the kids can maybe I be think in. the emphasis on young, though. Right? So from what Art is saying, uh, we need to have kids that are maybe younger than we would like to think hearing some of these messages. Yeah, we, we thought maybe 10 and younger, but we can talk about that uh, arrangement, too. Well, maybe what we can say is parental guidance. Parental guidance suggested. Now, yeah. so Art, uh, to quickly, who who would you recommend uh, attend the Bible study next week? Well, I, I don't intend to be vulgar in my presentation. Sure. Uh, I, I will be, I will be, uh, explicit on some passages, but some of the, um, some of the things that, uh, we could use words that very clearly are understood, I tend to mask some of those words where the adults understand them, um, and where those, uh, innocent ears they don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But as far as uh, the adults that may be listening tonight, what, who would you recommend uh, for as, a, as an adult, not talking about kids, uh, what adults need to be coming to hear your, your message? Well, since this problem affects one in four people, if we just raise our hand that we got at least 25% of any population, any room, um, we, uh, we, if we don't have the problem, we may want to equip ourselves to be able to talk to those who do have the problem. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. One of the issues we'll talk about is an accountability partner. People who are coming out of the world uh, and coming into relationship with Jesus are people who are in it but fall back, they fall into pornography. They're going to need some folks that are thinking straight to help them when their best thinking has them caught up in this. All right. Good, good. And and to do that, we don't want to look like the deer in the headlight when someone comes to us and says, I have a problem with pornography. Can you help me? Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about how you can do that. All right. So, uh, And I have actually told some people this because I was thinking along the same lines. we got two pools of people that, that should be interested in this. If, in all honesty, you have to, a person has to confess, I have this pornography problem. Come, because there are going to be things talked about that will help you. But on the other hand, if there are people who say, well, and, and, and I heard someone say this even today, I don't have a problem with that. I don't need to come. Well, you really do have a problem with this because you're in this society and you're surrounded by people who are, are being swallowed up in this plague and you need to be able to address that and help them too. So whether it's your problem or not, this is something you need to hear. Correct. Nobody can afford to be silent. Uh, we speak where the Bible speaks on this, and we need to give answer to people that are asking us about how do I escape this 
tangle of the devil. Yeah, very good. Looking forward to hearing. All right, Art. Well, we just wanted to spend a few minutes with you here at the start of our program tonight, letting all of our audience know about what's coming up, getting them interested. If you honestly, folks, if you live within a, a reasonable driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, we're right in the middle of the state, right in Middle Tennessee, about 45 minutes south of Nashville. Uh, if if you were within any reasonable driving distance, you need to come to hear this. Uh, Art is Art's got a we didn't we didn't identify his uh, credentials here, but Art's got a list of credentials as long as your arm, and he knows what he's talking about. And we want you to come and and get fully informed on this very important subject. Art, we appreciate you spending a few minutes with us tonight, and we will look forward to seeing you, Lord willing, on Monday. Okay, I'll look forward to meeting the folks there in Middle Tennessee, and uh, um, I hope I wish you well for the rest of the program. Thanks, Thanks, Art. All right, looking forward to that. Uh, certainly a timely and important message. Uh, information on our website for folks who may yeah, want to know how to, to get our, there. Go to our website, go to collegeview.com, and on the very front page there's a big announcement about this special event. You can call us. Call us on our toll-free number. It's always available, 877-381-4567. If you've got any questions at all, call us. We'll be trying to, we'll do our best to give you all the information you need. Right. But again, it's Monday and Tuesday, 7 p.m., next Monday and Tuesday, at the memorial, it's not at our church building, it's at the memorial building, which is a well-known public assembly hall near downtown Columbia. If you if you have any trouble, if you ask anybody in Columbia, they'll tell you where the memorial building is. But it's it's due west uh, of the downtown square, two, about two blocks due west of the downtown square in Columbia. Get there early to get your seat. Yeah, exactly. All right. We're going to get a break. When we get back, we're going to get to the topic at hand tonight. That is the idea of once saved, always saved. Can you live in such a way... Well, talk about what some of the things Art's talking about. Can you just uh, live any way you want to and be impure, immoral, and sexually impure like uh, is condemned in First Thessalonians, as Art pointed out? Can you do that? Can you so be I, a murderer? Uh, so so you're you... asking a question. I, I, I'm a believer. Right. I, I, I did what it takes to be saved. And we can argue that, but let's say no, I, we're, not I, gonna, I, we're not gonna argue that tonight. We're not gonna argue that, yeah, but let's say I'm a granted. saved person, but I have gotten, I've allowed myself to get tangled up in this business of pornography. Right. But it doesn't matter. I'm once saved, always saved. Is that right? Well, some might say, well, it does matter, but you're still going to be saved. Uh, can you live any way you want to live? Do, does it matter? Can you lose your salvation? We're going to talk about that. Don't go anywhere. We'll get started right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual out. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Don't find fault, find a remedy. Henry Ford said that. Always do more than you're required to do. General George Patton said that. To cook up stories usually end up in hot water. Man, wish I'd said that. 
We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Uh, boy, looking forward to that uh, message on Monday and Tuesday night. Uh, you won't want to miss it, and uh, appreciate Art for joining us on the program tonight. Now, on to our topic at hand. You sent out some questions earlier today to get us right. thinking along these lines. All right. Uh, by the way, Jacob, and I don't know if our listeners uh, even thought about this. We didn't think about it. We uh, passed by an anniversary of the virtual Bible study about two yeah. or three weeks ago, the yeah. start of July. We completed 12 full years of the virtual Bible study, and we're starting into our 13th year. That being the case, that means that in our archives there are over 600 episodes of the virtual Bible study, which is quite remarkable. But I got to looking about, uh, so anyway, just to note an anniversary there, but I got to looking, and we have not talked about this subject, once saved, always saved, for the, for 11 years or more. It was yeah. a long time ago we talked about it. I know we've probably referenced it in passing, but we've not done a whole I think we program. Entered, we, we had a, a Baptist preacher join us for that, didn't we? Long time ago. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but it is an important doctrine, and there's, and there's division in the religious world concerning this. Is it true? If I'm once saved, I'm always saved. There are other descriptive terms that are used to describe that doctrine. It's actually one of the tenets of Calvinism. Calvin talked about the perseverance of the saints. That's the P and tulip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's also sometimes called the impossibility of apostasy or the security of the believer. Eternal security, security of the believer, yeah. Yeah. So, and there are a lot of people who believe that, and and we need to show from the scriptures that it just simply isn't true. So, to our update list earlier today, I sent out some questions. If you're not on our update list, you can get on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. But we ask, how would you answer the very basic question? Must we as disciples be faithful to Jesus until we die? Simple question, yes or no, and why or why not? Number two, what are some of the bad things that can happen to our faith? Yeah. Number three, what are what warnings are given in the scriptures about falling away, and why are they given? Number four, what can we learn from the case of Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter eight? And number five, what was the what was the apostle Paul's thinking about his own security? Okay. All right, before we get started, we need to lay some groundwork here. And the first one is uh, state that we don't have any ulterior motives in promoting this the doctrine or the idea uh, that we have to be faithful until death. Uh, certainly, I would, in, in my personal opinion, would much rather believe in this idea of... Oh, it'd be a lot easier, say. wouldn't it, to think, uh, Josh, if you, if you thought you've, you've, you've hit the marks now and you're a saved person, wouldn't it be a lot easier to say... It doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want now. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have to worry about anything from from now on. I could just live however I wanted to, knowing that that I'm saved. Yeah, so we need to get that clear. The other thing we need to get clear is that we need to be careful how we argue, those who argue for this. The argumentation often is from the consequences or for for, uh, just uh, not based in Scripture, I should say. Uh, For instance, I'll give you a for instance of some of the things I've heard. I just can't believe that a loving God would send one of his children to hell. Yeah. I, I just don't think that that's so. Yeah. I just don't feel it. Yeah. Or if you believe that, then you can't be confident that you're saved. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one you hear. Where's well, your confidence? Yeah. How can you be sure you're going to be saved? Yeah. If you can be lost, how can you be sure you are saved? Yeah. Or, well, if you believe that you must be you know be faithful to death, then you're trusting in yourself to be saved. You're not trusting in God. 
you're, 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 you're trying to be saved by works. Lots of things that people are reasoning. And when we approach the, the, the topic this way, we have to ignore the numerous passages we're going to look at. And we have to just butcher those passages in order to support our human reasoning and our human thinking. We've got to make sure that we come to the Scriptures, we accept what they teach, and then the consequences be what they may. But what do the Scriptures tell us about this important subject? Exactly right. All right. So let's start out with that first question. Uh, as disciples, as as saved people, now as we said earlier, Jacob, obviously we're going to we can, we're going to have some debate with certain individuals about what it takes to be saved. We're passing by that part of the debate right now, and right now we're just we're just talking about someone who is saved, yeah. whatever that requires. We've talked about that plenty of times. We're not going to talk about that tonight. We've already get into you have to you have to believe. If you just say so, someone hears the gospel, they're saved. Then fine. Yeah, whatever it is. We're just talking. Okay, you identify a saved person. Can that saved person, does he have to remain faithful or can he be lost? And, and the scriptures clearly tell us that we have to remain faithful. And the very, the very easy verse that proves that is the last half of Revelation 2 verse 10. That verse, that was verse was supplied by Kent in Calhoun, Georgia tonight in his correspondence with us. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. Yeah, the beginning of the verse says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful, or if you don't want to be faithful, don't worry about it until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Obviously, that's it. Notice, even to people, and the Lord knew they had been suffering and would suffer more. Yeah. And and when we talk about suffering, we're talking about some pretty intense persecution. He knew what was going on with them. He knew that they were being persecuted. And he said, you, it's, it's not over yet, but you be faithful until death to receive the crown of life. Okay. And that and that's, you know, that's just very direct language. Uh, on our Facebook update today, Jacob, I had the picture of a runner and asked the question, can a believer be lost? And I, and I thought later, maybe some people didn't understand why I put a runner's picture on there. But the, but the scriptures suggest the idea of, of running a race. And, and we understand that when you're running a race, you, you don't get the prize until you finished the race. Uh, and, Re, and Hebrews 12 verse 1, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That was the connection to a runner. What does the runner have to do? Uh, I, I, I thought of an, an analogous statement to a runner. Don't be discouraged because the race is long and difficult. Continue until the end. And you will receive an award. Yeah. So what does the runner know from that? He knows he's not going to get anything if he if he doesn't finish the race, if he doesn't continue on, keep running, keep doing it until he gets to the end of the course. And that's really exactly what Revelation two verse ten tells us. Yeah. Uh, so what do those passages mean if they don't mean that we need to be faithful to God in order to be saved? What do they mean? Uh, again, we're not reasoning from the consequences. We're not reasoning from our human perspective, we're really looking at what the Scriptures tell us, and the Scriptures tell us that we must be faithful until the end. Galatians 6, verse 9, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, Period. if no. we faint not. The comma, if we faint not. Yeah, uh, there's a condition there. Yeah. Not fainting. Yeah. Being faithful unto death. 
All right. So the answer to the first question, I mean, we could we could go on and on about that, but I think the answer to the first question is pretty straightforward. Josh, any thought on that? No, um, you guys hit the nail on the head. Revelation 2.10 is the, the easy one, but it basically says just what your question yeah. asks. Be faithful unto death. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's kind of interesting in that verse, be faithful unto death. It's not until death, it's unto death. The Lord was asking them to be faithful, certainly until death, but he was even asking them to be faithful if it meant death. To, to be faithful death, to right? the point of death, yeah, yeah. And so certainly high stakes there, and lots of uh, lots of challenges. But he was still telling them that they had to be faithful. It's time uh, for us to get our bottom of the hour break with this week's bullet point. And when we get back, there's a lot of verses that warn us about what can happen to our faith and what can happen if we fall away. Those scriptures are very, very vivid, very explicit about what the dangers are. And we need to be aware of them. We'll get to those when we get back. And we want your comments in the chat room. In the chat room, Kevin Kelly says he's joining the study from the interstate near Nashville, I-40. Well, let's just hope, I hope that, you're not stuck in traffic. Well, well let's just hope Kevin. that Mrs. Kelly is doing the driving if you're sending in messages in the t- t- chat room there, Kevin. But we're glad that you joined us. We're going to get a break, and we'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hi, my name is Mike Smith, and I'm a member of the College of Church of Christ on Hampshire Pike. Let me ask you some questions. Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected they thus saved the Lord? Can you remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't always, doesn't always approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? We're still striving to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, please visit us soon at the College of Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. One of the most important factors to be considered in choosing a marriage partner is whether or not that person is a faithful child of God. Through the years, several studies have been conducted which tracked the results when chosen mates were Christians and when they were not. The statistics from two churches prove the point. In the B Street Church of Christ in Miami, Oklahoma, there were 79 marriages of Christians to non-Christians. Of those 79 marriages, 57 of the Christians left the faith and 25 ended in divorce. Of Christians married to Christians, there were 64 marriages, five Christians left the faith, there were only two divorces. In the Bridges Street Church of Christ in Wynn, Arkansas, When Christians married non-Christians, there were 76 marriages, 61 Christians left the faith, 23 of those marriages ended in divorce. When Christians married Christians, there were 28 marriages, only four left the faith, only four divorces. And so common sense, practical experience, and the important principles taught in the Word of God all point to the importance of Christians marrying Christians. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome you back to the program. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website is thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find out where we meet, when we meet, and uh, what we believe. Check it out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we'll remind you, we're going to remind you again before the program's over about our community Bible study this Monday and Tuesday night with Art Adams on the plague of pornography at the Memorial Building, Columbia, Tennessee, West 7th Avenue in Columbia. 
and uh, directions and information on our website again, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Yeah. And Kevin said his, you know, good deal. Well, good that's, deal. that's somewhat safer, but the program has been known to induce uh, drowsiness, so <laughs> you might want to be careful there. Keep a sharp elbow in her, in her ribs there, maybe Kevin, so that you stay stay going straight there. All right. We we the, with the exception of Kevin, the chat room's quiet tonight. Give us some feedback. Well, let's go to this next question that we asked. Uh, the next question we asked was, what are some of the bad things that can happen to your faith? Yep. Now, i got a reason for asking that question, because um, we want to know, if I'm once saved, am I always saved? If, if I'm a person of faith, and I believe, and if I'm saved, can I, am I always saved? Well, one way to address it is, look at what the Scripture says about all the bad things that can happen to your faith. For instance... 2 Timothy 2, verse 15 says that your faith can be overthrown. It talked about, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 18, Paul talked about some false teachers, and it says, concerning the truth, they have erred, and they overthrow the faith of some. What does that mean? Now, think about this. If I can't be lost, my faith can be overthrown, but I'm still saved. That Does that sound right? Well, those who are, are touting this doctrine are the ones who say all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is have faith, and yet your faith is overthrown. Everything's okay if your faith is overthrown. There's no consequences for that? That doesn't sound right, does it? doesn't, it? no. All right. Then, the 5, verse 12, it says that a person's faith can be cast off. Paul said spoke of some, and he said concerning them, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. Well, they have damnation. What's the damnation he's talking about? And you can cast off your faith and everything's You can be fine. damned and you can cast off your faith. But according to this doctrine that John Calvin popularized, and a lot of people buy into it, you're, you're saved anyway. Uh, well, what, I think that's a good question you asked, Jacob. What would be the damnation? What? What would be that consequence? I'm having trouble understanding these with this, the perspective that they have that you can't be lost once you're saved. Yeah. And then in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, Paul said, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. You can depart from the faith. But if this doctrine of once saved, always saved is true, you're still saved. You can depart from the sa- Sounds faith. Sounds like I don't have faith anymore to, if you're depart you from depart it. Depart from the faith, but you're still safe. But you're still secure. you got to have faith to be saved. Nobody doubts that, but you can depart from it and still be saved. I don't know. It seems to be hard to reconcile the two ideas. And then one more. I've got one more here, and I think maybe some Kent sent in an email. He's got some there, maybe some of these same ones. But in 1 Timothy 1, verse 19... Yeah. Paul says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning the faith, have made shipwreck. They put away their faith. They made shipwreck of their faith, yet they're still saved. I I think if we just stopped our discussion right there, I think we've offered enough proof to say, you are not eternally secure. It's not once saved, always saved. Uh, it's not the perseverance of the saints. If If you can... Overthrow your have your faith overthrown if you can cast it off you if you can depart from it if you can make shipwreck of it uh, I just don't see uh, how th- that doctrine holds up. But wait, there's more. Kent has sent in his email from Calhoun, Georgia tonight. He references First Timothy four verse one. We talked about depart from the faith. You can put away your faith. Look at First Timothy one verse nine. We talked about that. We talked about or we and we talked about uh, making shipwreck of the faith. First Timothy one verse nineteen. 
err from the faith, err from the faith, first Timothy six, verse ten. Notice this deny the faith, first Timothy five, verse eight, deny the faith. Uh, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. How do you deny the faith and be worse than an unbeliever? Now that's a that's a challenge. Now the unbeliever's not saved. Someone who denies the faith is worse than an unbeliever, but they're still saved? How can that be? If an, if, if an unbeliever is not saved, but these people are worse than an unsaved unbeliever, how could that possibly be? It doesn't even make sense. No. They've denied the faith. They, they can't be saved. They've lost their salvation. They're worse than an unbeliever because they knew what they were supposed to do, and they didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now uh, there is no hope for them. And you can cast off your faith. That was what the widows would do in verse 12, having, uh, for 1 Timothy 5, because they have cast off their first faith. Uh, their first faith. Now they've gone on to something else, but they're still going to be saved. My first faith, maybe I believed in Christ. Now I believe in Muhammad, but I'm going to be saved. I've cast off my first, but I can still be saved. I believed in Christ. I'm going to cast him off now, and I'm going to believe in Buddha. Well, what's going on here? But doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. And you can overthrow the faith, as you mentioned, uh, in Second Timothy two verse eighteen. Thank you for those, Kent. Uh, th- there's just so many ways to approach this, uh, uh, and, and we want to look at some of the arguments that are offered uh, that describe some of the things that can happen to us when we fall away. And we'll look at those in a minute. Uh, but this is really a popular doctrine. I had a couple of comments uh, on our Facebook page. Um, Norma wrote in and said, she says, yes, a believer can be lost. Thanks for your comments, Norma. But Mike wrote in and said, yes, the Bible's very clear that once you become a child of God, you will always be his child. Salvation is a gift that cannot be earned or kept. It is a gift from God that can only be accepted. Uh, so Mike is of the contrary opinion, and we would love to hear from someone like Mike to tell us uh, how that is so in the light of these verses of Scripture that we're reading. All right. Uh, Rob in, on Facebook said, A true believer cannot be lost. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. No other requirements. Amen. So we see here, even in our, on our Facebook page, that we've got some folks who disagree with our conclusion. We're offering some Bible verses here. Uh, please provide Bible verses that would suggest once saved, always saved. All right, what about the passage here that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? What about that? Uh, that that's presented as proof uh, from uh, Rob. Uh, what would you say about that? The guy who calls on the name of the Lord, he's going to be saved. It doesn't matter how he lives. You know, uh, and I, although Rob didn't reference this passage, uh, I think that he may have had in mind uh, John 10. And I've heard this passage used, John 10, Jesus said, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Uh, that's a passage I've heard. I I remember years ago, Billy Graham had an article in the newspaper. He used that very passage to argue this idea of eternal security or once saved, always saved. It's a beautiful passage, and it has a wonderful promise in it, but it's a conditional promise. Notice, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Well, what are the conditions in order for me to never perish he says, neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. Well, you've got to know the Lord, 
But you've got to hear his voice. You've got to follow him. Stop hearing his voice. Stop following him. And the promise of the passage goes away. So uh, just like a sheep, as long as a sheep follows his shepherd, he's safe. He's safe in the fold. The shepherd's going to keep all the predators away from him. No problem. The sheep stops following the shepherd. He's in great danger. All right. We're trying again to harmonize the scriptures tonight on the virtual Bible study. Uh, again, we can't go with a premise that uh, that causes us to have to ignore and butcher and contradict so many clear scriptures that tell us we have to be careful about how we live and in order to support some other uh, premise and doctrine that we might have. Kevin says, there are so many of our friends that believe most of these tenets of Calvinism, and there are, Kevin. He says, and, and unfortunately, they don't spend time, any time rationalizing the implications of those inconsistencies as we're studying tonight. And so, uh, Kevin says again, we have to, ra- we have to make this all harmonize. And what we're trying to do is harmonize the scriptures. How do we reconcile the, the idea here that God is presenting over and over again to us that we can be lost once we're saved? Guest 6018 in the chat room says, it doesn't say that a person once called upon the Lord shall be saved. It could be a continual call on the Lord. Well, uh, if, if depending how we wanted to define terms, as long as we keep call, if you want to call, if you want to describe that, as long as you keep calling on the Lord, which would involve, and we can talk about what it is to yeah. call on the name of the Lord. To call on the name of the Lord is to to seek Him, to respond to Him, to obediently submit to Him. And if you want to identify define your terms that way, as long as you keep submitting to the Lord, calling on Him, and and seeking Him in your life. You can be saved. That is the security of the believer. But the security is not unconditional. Yeah, and uh, and certainly uh, we need to be aware of the fact that calling on the name of the Lord means, as you mentioned, submitting to him and calling upon his authority uh, and submitting our lives to his will uh, is uh, the instruction that the scriptures give us. Let's let, Real quick, well, let's, let's grab our last break, Jacob. When we come back, let's talk about some of the very clear warnings in the scripture about falling away. We're going to do that, and we're going to go fast because we've got a lot of ground to cover. We'll look for your comments, though, as well in the chat room, on email, on the phone tonight. We'll be back and go to the top of the hour right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A 2009 LifeWay research study of a 1,000 young Protestants found 7 out of 10 stopped attending church for a time after high school. The student survey all had attended church for at least a year in high school. Most dropped out because of a life change, such as going to college, and just over a third had come back to church by age 30. That information is via the Baptist Standard. The Word of God says in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight, and glad that you're here as we talk about, uh, well, can a believer be lost? Again, not anything that we uh, take pleasure in preaching, but we have to preach what the Scriptures teach, and it clear, it's clear from the Scriptures that you can be lost. All right. 
Let's talk about the warnings. I ask the question to our update list, what warnings are given in the scriptures about falling away and why are they there? Well, first of all, you give warnings because a danger exists, right? That only makes it. If you were driving down the road and you saw us, you saw one of those signs that looked like the road just goes through a number of sharp hairpin curves. Yep. Well, that's that. It's it's a it's a diamond shaped sign, and it's there to warn you. Yeah. But if you just if you kept driving and the road was just straight as an arrow, you'd think, why did they put that sign back there warning me about a crooked road? And there's no curves here. Are you saying this for Mrs. Kelly's benefit about driving? <laughs> maybe, okay. maybe. But but the but the idea is, if you saw a warning sign on the road, you would expect they put right. it up there because there is some associated danger. Yeah. You don't give warnings when there are no dangers. Right. In fact, if you do, then we even talk about the little boy who cried wolf. Yeah. You know, you cry wolf, but there's no danger, and then. Well, we know that story. I mean, what do you know? The roadside had this crooked thing, and it's you get down the road as straight as an arrow. You're like, what in the world was that warning sign about? I'm, the next time I see one, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to ignore it. Yeah. Why do you put so warnings war- if there are dangers? Warnings are given when a danger exists. Now, think about some of the warnings in Scripture. First Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Why? Why do I even have to worry about the devil? Now, I'm a saved person. And and he can't get me. That that statement was addressed to Christians. Right. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, you Christians, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He could devour you. That's a legitimate danger. And if I'm once saved, always saved, it doesn't even make sense. All right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six two dot com. If the devil devours you, what's that about? That doesn't mean you're going to be lost. Yeah. All right. First um, Corinthians ten twelve, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Yeah, that would that, that would almost perfectly describe this person. Who says I'm eternally secure and nothing can happen to me. Yeah, Paul says let you him can that, fall for, fall what? What's yeah. that mean? We got another passage here. I think is going to give us some more light on that. All right, Acts twenty verse thirty one. Paul said to Christians, he was actually he was talking to some very mature Christians, the elders of the church at Ephesus. And he said in Acts 20, verse 31, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. <laughs> if this doctrine is true, we should say to Paul, Paul, come on, man, get a grip. You, 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 you're paranoid here. There's no problem. Why are you crying about this for crying out loud? And, and, and why do you keep going over this night and day? For three years, we've heard way too much of this when no danger even exists. Yeah, well, Paul, don't you know that we're all saved? There's no problems here. Go on, quit crying. There's no big problem. Yeah. All right, now we've got three passages that our listeners need to take down notes here on. All right, Galatians 5.4. Now, this was talking about a problem we don't deal with anymore, the, the problem of those who were trying to force circumcision on Gentile converts. But it says, it talks about something that can happen to... It's more universal than just that. Yeah. It talks about something that could happen to a believer. It could happen to them because of that problem. It could happen to us because of other sins. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Now get this. This was addressed to Christians. They were in grace and they could fall from grace. You'd have to be in grace to fall from grace. I've often said you'd have to be in a boat to fall out of a boat. You'd have to be in grace to fall from grace, but Paul says you could fall from grace. Oh. That, that would clearly indicate you could be lost. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 tells us we are saved by grace through faith, 
but I'm falling from grace, I'm still going to be saved. Josh, there's a problem there if I'm going to believe that there's once saved, always saved, the impossibility of being lost once I'm saved. Right. Yeah, I like I like Jude verse 5. may not be one that we go to first, but uh, Jude verse 5 says, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saving the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. I like this verse because it notes that there were people who were saved when they escaped Egyptian slavery, but then... Later on, they did not believe, and so it shows that it's possible for a believer to become an unbeliever. Real good. I hadn't thought about that. And guest 6018 in the chat room says, The parable of the sower and seed explanation clearly says that some will receive the word of God and will or choke, be choked out. Yeah, they received it, and then they didn't make it. That's a good one. I hadn't thought about that one either. All right, now two more passages here. We I cut you off. There's another very important passage in Hebrews okay. chapter 6. Okay, Hebrews 6, verse 4, beginning. It is impossible for those who were... Now, get, get here's the description of them. It's impossible for those who were what? Once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the world come, if they shall fall away. Wait a minute. Now, that's got to be talking about a believer, a saved believer, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, they tasted the, they, they were enlightened, they tasted the heavenly gift, made partakers of the Holy Ghost, tasted the good word of God, the powers of the word of God. If they fall away, it's impossible to renew them again and to repent and sing. They crucified themselves, the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. They're saved. And they, that has to be describing a saved person, right? And they fall away. And they fall away. Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 6. And then Kent supplies another passage that needs to be in our notes tonight. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. He says, A Christian can, can become entangled in sin, overcome by sin, and thus be in a worse condition than one who has never obeyed the gospel of Christ. Those who are promoting this doctrine have a lot of explaining to do when they get to Second Peter chapter 2, verses yeah. 20 and 22. Real quickly, let me read it because we're going to run out of time. But it's a little bit longer. Second Peter two twenty beginning. If after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, would, would, stop right there. Don't you think that would describe a believer, a saved yeah. believer, who had escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? But notice, they again are, they are again entangled therein and overcome. So they were saved, now they're tangled up in sin and overcome. Notice, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Uh, I, just, I just don't know how you could possibly get around that passage. So, before I escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I was lost and going to hell. Yeah. And now I'm going to come entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse than with them than the beginning. Now, those who say once saved, always saved, say, well, maybe you're going to have some rough times. You know, God's going to punish, punish you. you and let you bear the consequence. Yeah, he's going I've to, even heard some Calvinists who say, well, if you're bad enough, God will just strike you dead and take you to heaven. But wait a minute. I'm going to heaven. That, that, there's nothing worse than going to hell and being lost. But yet this says I could be in a worse case than the beginning. Yeah. How does that work if I'm going to go to heaven anyways? Yeah. Uh, I actually think the easy explanation of how is the latter end worse than the beginning, I think that's because this is a person who's already heard the gospel truth, initially accepted it, but now has decided to turn his back on it. So the gospel has lost the power to draw this guy back to a right standing with God. That's why the latter end is worse. I mean, lost is lost. 
But the latter end is worse with a believer who has turned his back because now he's heard everything there is to say. Yeah. And and he's and he's turned his back on it. There's yep. no there's no drawing power of the gospel left yep. to get him. All right, we're seeing the problems here with the human reasoning that goes behind this doctrine of once saved always saved. It's not supported by the scriptures. People are reasoning from uh, the consequences, reasoning from their own uh, think sos and human perspective without going to the scriptures. The scriptures are telling us we've got to be careful lest we fall away, lest our ship of faith has become shipwrecked. We overthrow our faith. We depart the faith. We deny the faith. All kinds of things we can do. Fall from grace. The list goes on and on. And we've got a couple of uh, examples even for in the New Testament. Of yeah, folks I, who I were, asked question four I asked to our update list was, what can we learn from the case of Simon the Sorcerer in Acts chapter 8? Well, the, uh, Simon the Sorcerer is an interesting study because regardless of what you think in order to be saved, this guy was saved. He did it, period. Look at Acts or 8, verse maybe 13. Maybe he just believed it, period. Whatever it is, he was saved. No yeah. way around it. Acts eight thirteen. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, wondering and beholding the miracles and signs which were done. So, again, we're skipping over the question, what do you have to be saved? But this guy was saved, irregardless what you believe you must do to be saved. He believed and he was baptized. So, this guy's saved. <laughs> There's just no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, right. He's, he's saved individual. If you want to say all you got to do is believe, Simon got you there. If you want to say you have to believe and be baptized, Simon is there too. He's a believed, saved in, individual. And baptized. Ba- and baptized. He's saved. All right. Okay. Once he's once saved. <laughs> he's been saved. Now let's okay. get to the latter part okay. of that. Is so, he so, always oh, saved? Good, good. Let's put it that way. Okay. He's a once saved individual. All right. Well, when the apostles came down there, see, Philip was performing miracles, but he couldn't pass on that ability. But... The That's apostles a came. Program for another day. Yeah. yeah, another day. But the apostles came, and they could pass on this ability to work miracles. And Simon wanted the power to pass that gift on. In Acts eight verse eighteen, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, "Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost." So. Uh, you have to know a little bit more of the background about Simon. Was a guy who had once really deceiver yeah. and he had power over the people but now he's a believer but boy it'd be nice to have that power back you know to to really kind of have a controlling influence over these people yeah. i want the same power that the apostles have i want to buy that power well the apostles immediately rebuked him for that that bad heart that he had manifested in acts 20 excuse me acts 8 beginning verse 20 but peter said to them thy money perish with thee so Peter said to Simon, the sorcerer, thy money perish with thee. What's going to his, He's perishing. Because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. Thy heart is not right in the sight of God. He was once saved, but now his heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness. He's guilty of wickedness. And pray, God, if perhaps heart may be forgiven thee. You need to be forgiven. You need to pray God and see if he'll forgive you. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. But once, uh, now he's clearly a once saved person. And those who believe once saved, always saved would have to say, he's in the gall of bitterness. He's in the bond of iniquity. His heart is not right with God. He's guilty of wickedness. He needs to be forgiven. But he's still saved. Mm. Yeah. How could that be, right? Yeah. It does, you cannot harmonize the two. Uh, clearly, Simon is a lost condition. Uh, Kent in the chat room says, a Christian, as a Christian, Simon needed to repent of his weakness and pray to God for forgiveness due to the fact that he was in an unfaithful and lost condition. Uh, thank you for those comments, Kent. Uh, clearly, 
it's important uh, that we look at Simon and also the Apostle Paul. You asked a question about that. Yeah, I asked, finally, I asked, what did the Apostle Paul think about his own security? To that question, Kent in the chat room references. This is a different Kent. Different Kent. Kent Jackson, Tennessee. This is Kent, West Tennessee. Uh, he references 1 Corinthians 9.27. Paul disciplined his body because he knew he could be lost. Yeah, First uh, Corinthians nine twenty seven. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul knew he could be a castaway, and Kent in, in Calhoun, Georgia, offered the same verse. I mean, uh, that just says it all. A person as strong as Paul, but he knew he had to discipline himself because be he could fall away. Josh, any thoughts there? That's the, that was a good use. Okay, that's the one, right? That's got to yeah. be the one. First Corinthians nine. We cut you off there, Josh. Sorry about that. Uh, in the chat room, I guess sixty eighteen adds in Matthew seven verse twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. People who believe, obviously believe, they're calling him Lord. Just believing and living any way you want to live is not going to yeah. uh, be acceptable to God. You're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And many will say to me, verse 22, in, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know, people who uh, believe this once saved, always saved idea says, well, anyone who calls on the, on the Lord, who believes in the Lord, will be saved. It doesn't matter what you do. You can do any kind of prophesying you want, any kind of demon casting out. Whatever you want to do, you can do it, and you'll be saved. Yeah. This passage says exactly the opposite of that. Exactly. You know, I heard somebody explain this. Well, look, what's going on here is these people are trusting in their works to save them. Well, they believe in God and Christ. Why does it matter what if they, what they're, what they what they're do. doing? Yeah, 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 uh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's inconsistent. And, you know, this really gets back, as um, Kevin mentioned, uh, as being a tenant of Calvinism. This really gets back to uh, being an overreaction, I believe to the uh, abuses of the Catholic Church and uh, and the Protestant Reformation that came out of that was obviously seeing problems with the Catholic Church, but just took it too far. In An overreaction. To, yeah, and saying, well, you don't have to do anything to be saved. All you got to do is believe in it. This idea of indulgences and, the, and the, the nonsense that the Catholic Church is doing, we're going to turn against that, but we went, they swung too far away from what the Scriptures teach, and now you don't have to even do what the Scriptures say. Yeah. Not only do you not have to do what the Catholic Church says, you don't have to do what the Scriptures say. You just believe and live any way you want, and you're going to be saved. It's it's an overreaction, and it's a lot of human reasoning that can't be founded in the Scriptures. I think you're exactly right. All right. We're out of time. Thanks, everybody, for listening. But And, and we won't get a chance to talk to you again before next Monday and Tuesday night, right. the Community Bible Study here in Columbia, Tennessee. If you... If you're anywhere close, you want to drive to take this in on Monday and Tuesday night. Our Adams will be talking to us about the plague of pornography. Now, not to discourage any live participants. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. But if you are far away and can't drive, we are going to make an effort to try to stream this on our YouTube page and on our website. Uh, and so podcast it if you can, and, 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 and we'll try to podcast yeah, it after but, the event. Uh, that we probably should have held that off till next Thursday to tell yeah, you. Yeah, but you want to be there in person. Yeah, but, but we will try to live stream it. But don't let that keep you from coming. If you're anywhere around uh, and you can join us, we encourage you to do that. It is certainly go to our be, website for all the information. Be a very important discussion. All right, conclude tonight. Any parting comments from you? No, I think we covered. it. I don't know how you can look at all these verses and not come away with a conclusion that you got to be on guard. And, and and work to not fall away. Exactly right. All right. Got to be diligent. As Paul was diligent, as you referenced there in 1 Corinthians 9.27, Josh, 
it's a it's a constant daily struggle. We've got to be uh, diligent to be faithful to God. Not earning our salvation, we do that by any means, but it is a condition that He's placed upon us that we be faithful unto death. All right, all right, all right. If you got questions about what you heard, Dad, we want to welcome anyone to contact. If you us. disagree, if your preacher will come and talk with us or about this will. subject, or Again, if you will listen to come other on. interviews we've conducted, we do so do them in a very respectful way, and, uh, and we at the end of it, we want to be friends just like we were before we started the discussion. But we want to study the scriptures with you. If you disagree and you'd be willing to come on and talk with us, we'd welcome you to this do is that. Not a, this is not, it's not a win. We're trying to win. We're not We're a battle, to be, not a fight, you know, not an you, argument. You know, you have a Bible study. You don't, you don't say at the end of the Bible study, who won that Bible study? Right. No, we all win if we discover truth. That's all we're here for, and uh, we welcome you to contact us if you're willing to engage in that discussion. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. If we've missed it, if you think you can show us where we're wrong, we want to know the truth, and so you'd be our friend if you would uh, share with us uh, where uh, the, the Scriptures teach differently than what we've said tonight. But to, what we can see here is that the, the Scriptures are very clear on the subject. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. And hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.